Before I read the scriptures this morning, I just want to tell you how much my wife and I have enjoyed these last four weeks being here at uh, Christ the King, King Church. It was certainly uh, an honor to be asked to, to fill in. I uh, had no idea we would enjoy everybody here so much. We've met so many really wonderful people, and uh, next week your Pastor Chuck will be back, and that is as it should be. But we do plan on coming down once in a while from Crucis to uh, uh, worship with you and, and with your church and just to continue some of the friendships that uh, we have made. Please follow along now as I read from Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through verse 17. Through verse 15 will work better. And Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia in Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of the Lord. When you enter Christ the King Church, you see paintings in the entryway and along the halls, and you see painting, a painting in the room where we serve refreshments. Seeing those the past two weeks has set me to thinking... And I want you to watch out when pastors think. You'll never know what's coming. But these paintings were painted one stroke at a time. And care went into each stroke because the artist wanted to create something beautiful. Now, beautiful probably does not fully describe the motive, but you kind of get the idea of where I'm coming from. They made me think about self-portraits. There are artists around the world... Uh, that uh, we are all fa- there are artists that people around the world are all familiar with. I can say Picasso or Rembrandt or Van Gogh, and you recognize their names. Now, each of these three men uh, that I mentioned painted one thing in particular. Can you think of one common thing that they all painted? Yes, you're right. Each of these men made a self-portrait. Have you ever stopped to think that each of you are busy right now painting a self-portrait? Every day, every night, in your thoughts and in your words and in your deeds, every hope and every fear are strokes of the brush that is producing your self-portrait. Now, one day... Death will frame your canvas and put it on exhibition. Nothing can be changed or erased or retouched or altered or denied. Your painting will be finished. Picasso, Rembrandt, and Van Gogh have finished their paintings. Nothing can be changed on them, on their self-portrait. Since you're in the process 
of creating your portrait, please use the time that you have left carefully. Now, I want to look at a few of the brushstrokes that affect the self-portrait of Christ the King Church, of an early deacon and martyr, and then your self-portrait. Consider Christ the King Church as a work in progress. If those of you who attend are biblically centered in your actions and thinkings, this church will be. If those of you attend this church are sincere in your faith, so will the church. If those of you who attend this church are kind people, Christ the King will be a kind church. If those of you who attend this church care about the lost outside of your walls, the church as a whole will reflect that attitude. But the opposite is also true. Negative, unloving, uncaring people produce a negative, unloving, and uncaring church. The portrait that you are painting as a congregation is called Christ the King Church. Now, I'm not ignoring the sovereignty of God, but I'm not speaking to God this morning. I'm speaking to you as a congregation. You are all strokes in the portrait that is called Christ the King Church. Now let's consider the brushstrokes of an early Christian martyr. In the text that I read in chapter 6, starting at verse 8, it describes Stephen as being full of grace and power, and he was doing great things amongst the people. He was painting his portrait, and everybody could see the progress that he had made that far. In verse 9, people from different synagogues rose up and disputed with Stephen. They were painting portraits of their synagogues. Verse 13, false witnesses against him were also painting their portraits. We see what they are doing, and we have mental thoughts concerning their spiritual condition. Now, in verse 15, Stephen was facing some accusers. Look at what the accusers saw. It says, all who sat in the council saw his face as the face of an angel. His portrait at that point in time was like the face of an angel. Even his enemies saw it. You see, they were looking for a traitor, and they saw an angel. This tribute came from people who wanted to kill him and take his life. Now, this gives us something to work on. I'm talking individually now. I want you to set the highest possible standards for yourself, especially when you're undergoing trials. Stephen was facing death by stoning, and his portrait reflected that of an angel, and his accusers couldn't help but see it. It was that plain. It was that, uh, it was that obvious. We've all had plenty of trials during our lives, and we're going to have more regardless of our, of our age. John Huss, who was a, a martyr, on his monument in Prague is inscribed, live for truth, fight for truth, and die for truth. Now that is good. Three good phrases. But faith and courage alone 
do not produce an angelic look. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2 says, Paul is speaking. He says, if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. Having brush strokes of prophetic gifts, knowledge, faith, courage, understanding, and not having brush strokes of love leaves you without any quality strokes on your canvas. Yes, Paul had all these other things, but he said it's nothing if I don't have love. Regardless of your personal situation, remember everything you do is a stroke of paint on your self-portrait. You've all endured trials, but we must prepare for more. I doubt that God is through with any of us within this sanctuary. Now, please listen to me for a moment. With suffering, there's always a turning point. But the turning point is not necessarily the point at which suffering seems to ease or to end, but when it dawns on you that there's a, there may be meaning to your pain. God doesn't put any of us through any kind of a trial without there being a purpose, and it adds to his glory. When Stephen had been accused by the high priest and others, just before he was stoned, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 56, he said, look, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Can you picture Jesus standing to confess you before his Father? See, you will see him just as surely as Stephen saw him. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 32, Jesus said, Whoever confesses me before him, before me, him I will confess before my Father in heaven. Now, let's move from Stephen to look at us individually. I want to tell you a true story. Sounds funny, but it's a true story. When Don and I got married, there was a local furniture store owner, and his last name was Frankenstein. And he called his store Frankenstein's Furniture. Now, his store sponsored a local late-night, and it was late-night TV program, and it was called Frankenstein Theater. It was a variety show, and if you assumed you had any talent, you could appear on his show and display your talents to anybody who was up that late. Well, one night we were visiting some friends in their home, and it was kind of late, and the TV was on in another room. And we heard this just terrible sound. And the four of us just ran into that room to see what that sound was. Well, Frankenstein Theater was on. And the thing that was making the noise, there was a man dressed up in a Santa Claus uniform, the full outfit, and he was trying to dance through the twist to music that he was playing on a violin. Well, while he was trying to dance in his outfit with playing the violin, he knocked the microphone over, and his feet were hitting the microphone on the floor, but he was not going to stop playing and stop dancing. So therefore, all of the noise. Now, just keep that in mind. One day, a friend of mine called me, and he was really quite excited. He had appeared, and he had sang on Frankenstein Theater. 
Well, that's not too bad all by itself. But it just happened that the President of the United States was in that area, checked into a motel, turned on the, theater, uh, the TV, and there was this friend singing. I was embarrassed that the President saw it. But anyway, he sent that man a congratulatory telegram. <clears throat> I mean, a tel a, a, an encouraging note. Now, normally, we would consider anyone who, who appeared on a TV musical program to be talented. Now, don't quote, make a joyful sound to the Lord to me, because it just doesn't fit the occasion. This was not done as a sound that was directed to God. Now, it would have benefited my friend for him to question his talent. He should have said to himself at some point in time, can I really sing? He should have asked, can I benefit from some guidance in developing my talent? He was painting a self portrait without seeking guidance from anybody. All of us, especially within a church, we have godly friends, godly people that we know. And once in a while we should sit down and we should talk with a friend, how am I doing in this area or another area? You see, we all ask God, but we assume he answers us with what we want to hear. And a good friend will tell you the truth, eyeball to eyeball. God may tell you the truth, but sometimes we don't recognize that. Now, in spite of all I have said, I could say with honesty, my friend can sing. Now, when I make that statement, he can sing, don't misunderstand it. The only reason I say he could sing is because he does sing. It, I'm not referring to quality. He was a Christian. But, you know, just being a Christian doesn't qualify you to be a musician. Some people work at their talent. They work to improve their talent. They listen to themselves sing, and they talk to other people, and they approve. And it's the same thing with artists. One can say, I am a Christian, but that doesn't necessarily reveal your character. I've known some really nice Christians, and I've known some mean-spirited Christians. I've known Christians you can count on. And I've known Christians who are unreliable. So you can be a Christian and paint an entire, have an entirely different self-portrait than another Christian. Just because you're painting one doesn't mean that you're living like a Christian. Now, when I see you here at Christ the King Church, and I try to greet as many people as I can, and we smile and we chit-chat, I get a mental picture of your self-portrait. Now, the question is, do the people that see you outside of the church see the same kind of a self-portrait that I see when you're in church? Some people have two self-portraits, one that people in the church see and one that people outside of the church see. Now, I want you to consider two pets that we have had in the past. We had a dog named Hannah and a cat named Wolfie. Now, Hannah loved me, my dog. How do I know that? Because Hannah tried to anticipate in advance what I wanted and made sure she did it. All she wanted to do was to please me. Any portrait of her would show her love for me. But, and I, I love Hannah, but obedience to someone that you love comes natural. If you're a Christian, and you say you love the Lord. Obedience is not a negative experience. 
a changed nature, when someone becomes a Christian, means that you desire to please the Lord our God. See, happy, Hannah was happy to please me. You should be happy to please God. And make sure that when God sees your finished portrait, that he will see many strokes of obedience out of love to him. Now, my cat Wolfie was different. I don't think obedience to me was even in her wildest dreams. I could tell you, Wolfie loves me. But I could not tell you that she was obedient to me. Wolfie would enter a room that I would be in. And that was good, I guess. But when she entered the room, she would sit with her back to me just to show me who was in control. Now, Wolfie might tell you that she loves me, but how would I know it? How would I know that cat loved me unless she told me so or did something to please me? Let God know that you love him. Be obedient to his word. Obedience is not negative. It's a natural outpouring of love. You shouldn't have to work to be obedient. You should say, what would the Lord most like to have me doing right now or today? In Luke chapter 5, Peter and some other men were fishing. In verse 4, Jesus told Peter where to go uh, 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 to drop his nets. He says, go way out there where it's deep and drop your no, uh, nets. In verse 5, Peter said, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. Then he said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. In verses 6 and 7, it says, two boats couldn't handle all the fish that they caught. Can you see the lesson here for us? Jesus says, do something and do it. And the reason for him telling you that will appear. Then in verse 8, when Peter saw that, it says he fell to his knees and he said, depart from me, I am a sinful man. You see, Peter's self-portrait was not yet completed, but it was being painted with some sure strokes of the brush. He didn't say, give me more fish, give me more fish, give me more fish. He recognized his sinfulness and he reacted accordingly. Martin Luther said, it takes three things to make a godly person. Prayer, meditation, and trials. And that's absolutely true. But think about this. In your trials, the only verdict that counts is the one that God pronounces when your self-portrait has been completed. Yes, be strong. Have courage, faith, and love. And someday Jesus will say, this one is mine. I died for him or her. He or she is clothed in my righteousness. See, some people let the pressures of life blur the self-portrait that they are painting. But whatever you do, don't hang your spiritual hat on past accomplishments. Live by present grace. Whatever you do, don't let circumstances or other people blur or mar your self-portrait. It's too important. Remember, God forgives those acts that would normally ruin a painting. Psalm 103 in verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, uh, bless the Lord who forgives all iniquity and heals all your diseases. 
Please do not enter eternity with anything less than a portrait made perfect by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And don't forget, when this life is done, the painting that you have painted will last longer than Picasso's or Rembrandt or Van Gogh's. It will outlast everyone and everything in this church, certainly including even this wonderful building that we've moved into. Now, please keep in mind, you are painting your self-portrait stroke by stroke by God's grace. You can paint something that will be judged perfect at the great judgment. Frankenstein Theater was okay for late-night TV. But I'm going to tell you something. Life is serious. There really is a God, and there really are consequences for our actions. I'm going to give you two quick thoughts. One time, and this is true, Muhammad... <laughs> I don't know why I have to keep saying that's true, but anyway. One time, Muhammad Ali was on a plane, and he was in the aisle, and he was signing autographs. And it was time for the plane to take off, and the stewardess asked him to please be seated. And he replied with a smile on his face, Superman doesn't need to sit down. And she replied, Superman doesn't need an airplane. <laughs> this is what God is saying to every sing single one of us. Sit down and listen to me. Listen to my word. Read it. Study it. Don't worry about who you are. Worry about who God is. And secondly, I say this with a smile, but I'm very, very serious. From now on, every single time you come through these doors, coming into Christ the King Church, you will see paintings, and you will be reminded that you are painting a self-portrait. Hopefully, this will remind you of the Lord and God and Savior that you serve. Let us pray. Father, yes, we are all busy. We're busy all the time. We're busy going here and we're going there. We're doing all sorts of things. And Father, sometimes we become so busy that we forget about you. We forget about you being our God and Savior. We forget about your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. But Father, use things in our lives to remind us of you, to remind us of our lives and our actions and what we do and say uh, because we're in your presence at all the time. All the time. May we take just paintings and look at them and be reminded that they're a painting. And Father, remind us that we're artists, that we're painting strokes in our own self-portrait. Father, forgive us for our sins. Pick us up. Let us feel your grace and your mercy and your encouragement. Let us follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in all that we do. And yes, Father, we should pray to you for confirmation, for leading in all these things. But Father, remind us that you've put us in a church uh, situation and where we have others that we can say, how am I doing? Father, bless us this, the rest of this day, this coming week, and bring us back together next week when Chuck Isaac will be here to once again bring your word to your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.